Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It's our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The Jewish marriage ceremony is absolutely fascinating. There are so many parallels that speak directly to last day's events. Today, Pastor J.D. shares some of those parallels. Specifically, there is a seven-day period in the Jewish marriage ceremony that directly correlates to the seven-year peace treaty that we know will be made in the last days. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 16th. 2018. Do you know that the number one thing the Jews want and will virtually do anything to get is the temple? Make no mistake about it. Not just consultation extensively with Israelis, but Palestinians. From before the Jerusalem announcement, Because at the moment, Palestinian leadership is not talking to us. (laughs) I want to come back to that in just a moment. He says, much to their detriment, I would add. It's also after extensive conversation with regional leaders and other stakeholders. Very interesting. All of their questions and concerns have helped us forge a plan into a deal which we think is realistic, fair, and equally important, implementable, doable, (laughs) attainable, achievable. Is achievable a word? We'll say it is. According to an Israel Hayom report, Greenblatt, in addition to stating that the administration will not put forth a peace plan that doesn't meet all of Israel's security issues, which are of extreme importance to us, he was also quoted as saying, listen, last week Trump said he wanted this to be a year of peace, 2018. The report went on to say, over the past several months, Greenblatt has quietly been drafting Trump's deal of the century and is holding his cards close to his chest. And then he said this, listen. Greenblatt added that Trump's decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital and relocate the U.S. embassy there was not intended to exact a price out of Israel. There's no particular demand on Israel in exchange for those decisions. And was that not the question? Some of the rabbis were talking about how there's no free lunch. Trump, on our 70th anniversary, May 14th, 
of this year relocated the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. What a present, what a gift, what an anniversary gift. And then, as we'll talk about uh, shortly, just on Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, he gives them another gift and evicts the Palestinians out of their Washington office. So the question was, what is Israel going to have to do in return for what Trump has done for them? Well, apparently, nothing. No strings attached. Now, that's always kind of been an enigma to me because, admittedly, I've wondered the same thing myself. But then, it's this last quote that really struck me with respect to, and I'm going to use this word, not forcing Israel to do anything because it may very well be that instead of Israel, it's the so-called Palestinians with whom this peace deal will be enforced. In other words, in Daniel 9.27, the word translated confirm is better understood as it will be enforced by force, this peace agreement. And I've always thought to myself, Israel's going to be forced into this. Now that's not to say that they won't. But as I'm looking at this thing, it's kind of looking to me more like it's the Palestinians, so-called, who are the ones that are going to be forced to accept what they would have never agreed to. So Wednesday, the Times of Israel published an article about how after 25 years, some Israeli right-wingers are ready to declare the Oslo Peace Accords dead. Remember the Oslo Peace Accords? September 1993. I'll never forget it. I called my dad uh, alive at the time and because he had always told me growing up that I was to always keep my eye on Syria. And I could, <laughs> here we are all of these years later and now I understand. But uh, when then Yasser Arafat and uh, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin were on the White House lawn signing the Oslo Peace Agreement with then-President Bill Clinton, I called my daddy immediately from the car at the time on my cell phone, which, remember those? (laughs) They they called Motorola 8000s, because that's how much they weighed, was like 8,000 pounds. I had this big brick up to my phone, calling my dad, going, Dad, what's up with this? And he made an interesting comment to me. He said, not yet. Not yet. And here we are, how many years later, and 25 years later, and (laughs) why do I bring that up? Because uh, wouldn't it make sense that in in Daniel uh, 9.27, that in order for something to be enforced, it implies that there's something there to be enforced? Something there prior? And, and wouldn't you agree that the so-called Oslo peace accords were a better deal for the Palestinians, as it turns out, than they would ever be for the uh, Jews, for Israel? So as you might imagine, this doesn't bode well for the Palestinians. And to add insult to injury, Mahmoud Abbas, of his own doing, I believe, has become irrelevant and inconsequential. And moreover, 
His physical health is rumored to be deteriorating rapidly, and many believe his days are numbered. There was an article, um, here was the gist of it. The Palestinians are hanging on by a thread right now. They've got nothing. (laughs) And even worse, in concert with Trump stopping payment of hundreds of millions of dollars to the PA, he's evicted them out of Washington by closing their diplomatic mission office and sending them packing. And he did so for Israel on Rosh Hashanah this last week. So you you might... You might say that things are going smashingly well. I love that word, by the way. I want to bring that word back. Things are going so well for Israel right now. You know, we read these reports and they say, you know, Trump's holding his cards close to his chest. I would say this. Israel's holding all the cards. They're holding all the cards. So here's how I get there. Again, doesn't it make sense that the Palestinians are the ones who are going to be forced to the negotiating table? They have no more money. Trump's like, you know, all all that money that we used to send you. (laughs) No, I'm not going to send you any more money. I mean, (laughs) that, that sounds to me a little bit like forcing them, doesn't it? Cut off all that, those millions of dollars that they were paying to terrorist families. I hope you know that, right? Please don't be so naive as to believe that uh, this money, our tax dollars, by the way, I don't want to get anybody angry, but our tax dollars are sent to Israel, or to uh, the so-called Palestinians, and they pay the families of these terrorists that kill themselves and kill all of these Jews. They pay them for the rest of their lives handsomely, which is why a lot of these young It's heartbreaking. These young Arab boys, could be my son, will go to their death and kill Jews. And that's where that money was going, to the terrorists. And Trump put a stop to it, to his credit. And now he's forcing them, there's that word again, forcing them to come to the table. And it seems to be working. Let me close this way. And again, I don't want this to, and I sure hope that it doesn't come off as sensational, but everything that needs to be in place for all of this to take place is quickly being put in place and is taking place. It's Luke 21, 28, when Jesus said, when you see these things begin to take place, begin to take place, and you begin to see everything be put in place and begin to take place, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Why why would he say that? Because when you see things that are going to be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation and the rapture has to happen, and it does, For those of you who weren't here on Thursday night or didn't watch the uh, Psalms teaching, I really encourage you to do so, okay? Because there's a prophetic picture in that uh, study about the pre-tribulation rapture of the church of Jesus Christ in the Psalms. It's actually all through Scripture. 
starting in Genesis, by the way, with Enoch, who's a picture of the church, and (laughs) uh, pre-flood, pre-flood. He was a pre-flood believer. Because before the flood, he was raptured. Pre-flood. Noah's a picture of Israel, by the way. They go into the tribulation and are saved in the midst of the tribulation. That's Israel. Noah's not the church. I, I didn't mean to go here, but too late. I went there. So just bear with me for a second. <laughs> One of the, 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 the most compelling uh, arguments to me, and there are many, there are a multitude for the pre-tribulation rapture, is the uniformity in the typology in Scripture. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Okay, uh, They go into the seven times hotter fiery furnace and are saved in the midst of it. Okay, That's Israel. Where's Daniel? Oh, he's not there. Prior, pre-furnace, he was exalted up, taken up to a high position and exalted. That's the church. Taken up pre-furnace. Joseph takes a Gentile bride pre-famine. Seven years. Seven years. The most compelling argument for me concerning the pre-tribulation rapture and why it is that I'm so dogmatic and will say that it absolutely has to happen before the seven-year tribulation is because that is what the Jewish bridal tradition was. You know when Jesus said to the disciples, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there ye may be also. In my Father's house are many rooms, dwelling places. You know what he was describing? True to Jewish tradition, he was describing what the bridegroom would do once engaged to the bride. He would go to his father's house and he would build a bridal chamber for his bride. And the bride had to always be ready because the bride didn't know the day or the hour of the wedding. Created a huge problem for wedding invitations. Just saying. (laughs) So... When the father would say, okay, now the bridegroom would come as a thief in the night and snatch away his bride and take her to the bridal chamber for guess how long? Seven. Seven. A period of, not three and a half, not pre-wrath, no, seven. For seven days, the bride is ensconced within that bridal chamber, consummating and celebrating her marriage to the bridegroom. And at the end of the seven, I'm not angry, (laughs) I know I'm yelling, she would emerge. You know for what? A huge feast. Brings me great comfort because that means there's going to be food in heaven. No, seriously, there's going to be food in heaven. No calories, no fat, no collect, none of that. It's the wedding feast of the Lamb. And it's celebrated after the period of seven. It has to. That's, if, if you do anything to disrupt the typology, uh, 
and I, I think we talked about this on, on Thursday night. Just bear with me. Uh, you can ask Moses about ruining the typology. You remember when he was commanded to speak to the rock? The first time he was commanded to strike the rock and water would come out. The second time, do not strike the rock, only speak to the rock. The rock is Christ. And the type is that the Christ would only be struck, crucified one time. And Moses, out of anger, struck the rock the second time. Didn't need to strike the rock. The rock has already been strucken. That's not a word. Stricken. Struck. We'll just go with struck. (laughs) Should probably end the sermon when it's over, but anyway. And now we only speak to the Christ, because he's already been crucified. You know what it cost Moses? Ruining the typology? Cost him the promised land. Think about that. Think about that. That's how serious it is. The typology. You try to put the rapture anywhere, but at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, you start messing with the typology, and I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. There. Let's leave it at that. Some of you are saying thank you. This is why we present the gospel at the end of each prophecy update. I, I just want to share with those of you here locally in this church that we have so many people all over the world that send us emails and post comments about how the ABCs of salvation is bringing loved ones, family members, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because now they have something simple that they're equipped with, that they can share with people. So they share the gospel. What is the gospel? It's very simple. It's childlike simple. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, and he's coming back again one day. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so everything that we have and that's been given to us hinges on our response to what we're going to do with the person of Jesus Christ. I like how one said it. It's kind of blunt. But either Jesus was who he said he was, or he was the biggest liar who ever walked on the face of the earth. And that's true, right? So how do we respond? This is how to be saved. This is so simple. It's childlike simple. Jesus said, unless we become like a child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The A is for admit that you're a sinner, or acknowledge your sin and your need for the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short. Interesting, the glory of God, the perfect standard of God's righteousness. By the way, this is why sin comes from archery. It carries with it the idea of missing the mark, falling short of the bullseye. So if you're an archer and you shoot an arrow and you miss the bullseye, they would say to you, in archery terms, you sinned, you missed the mark. And that's what we all are. We've all missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages, the penalty for that sin is the death penalty. 
But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You are saved. I am saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any of us should boast. It's the gift of God, freely given, freely received. It cost him everything. It cost him his life to pay in full for all of our sins. The B is for believing your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will, I like that, not might, not should, not could, you will be saved. And the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord, or if you prefer, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, confess with your mouth. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13, I like to say this is what seals the deal, if I can say it that way. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For me, that was 36 and a half years ago uh, and counting, when I just simply, just as I was, I called upon the name of the Lord, I fell asleep praying. I woke up the next morning. I was a new creation in Christ, and I never looked back. That was Romans 10, 13 in my life. I hope that there's a Romans 10, 13 in your life as well. Please stand, and we'll pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you for the more sure word of prophecy that it's not of any man's interpretation. It's not fables or myth but truth. Lord, thank you for telling us what's going to happen before it happens, so when we start seeing it begin to happen, that non-believers would believe and believers would look up knowing that our redemption draws nigh. Lord, I pray for anyone here, just in these last moments that we have before we close the service and the worship team closes us in song, If there's anyone that's here in this church or watching online that has never called upon you to be saved, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart, acknowledging their sin and their need for you as the Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would not put off the most important decision that they will ever make in their life, for eternal life. Please, Lord. And lastly, Lord, Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. 
The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough. You can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.